We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Trade Cast. I'm your host Eric Burtzloff, better known on Twitter as at Dynasty Trades. Joined by my co-host Nathan. Uh, sadly, no Dan today, Nathan. Yeah, Dan's got some real life stuff he's dealing with, so we're gonna we're gonna anchor away if that's a thing. I don't think it is. Sail away. Yeah, come no, s- not a thing. Neither thing people say. That's not. Come a thing. come sail away. Come sail away with me. You know. Or yeah, uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're gonna, gonna beer is what we're. The Gap Factory Labor Day Sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. Forty to seventy five percent off everything. Plus doorbusters August thirtieth through September second only. Tees from four ninety nine. Logo styles from sixteen ninety nine. And jeans from nineteen ninety nine. Shop in store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory dot com. Gonna do Nathan. Pers- we're gonna persevere. We can survive yeah. without Dan. Um, SAT yeah. words. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, and we're joined today uh, by our guest, Andy Singleton. I actually did not mispronounce your name, which I am notorious for doing, Andy. At least I don't think so. Yeah, well, I butcher all kinds of names. So I, I think mine is pretty straightforward and easy. Yeah, it's like in the Nathan Powell tree of easy to recognize and pronounce names. So uh, <laughs> you did a great, fantastic job with that. I'm uh, super honored to be here. So appreciate you guys thinking of me. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And you can follow him on Twitter at people's pen. Uh, and that's uh, people with a Z. So people's pen. Uh, and he also, he also writes, I think you do a podcast too for fantracks.com, right? I do everything video related. And then we do an audio version of that video show. So if anybody, you know, too lazy or doesn't want to invest the time in watching the video, you can listen as a I mean, podcast. That we wouldn't do a video podcast because all we would see is Dan's giant belt for Scott Fishbowl. So we, I mean, we're just fed up with it. Listen, if I if I ever am fortunate enough to be like in the finals of a Fishbowl, I will. You will not be able to hide from me bragging about it constantly. Oh well, you're. I mean, if you listen to the show, you know Dan is l- literally mentions it once the show. So there you go. Hi, Dan. I mentioned it for you. Uh, okay, well, let's do a quick rundown of the show, and uh, we're going to talk today about uh, about rookie sleepers and kind of second and third round picks in your dynasty draft. Uh, it should be a good show. But first, let me tell you guys uh, about our listeners' only thirty percent discount to Rotoviz NFL Pod or pass through the NFL Podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash podcasts. No, slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also supports the pod. Uh, And you can contact us via email. That's rotovizradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotovizradio. You can slide into those DMs. And remember, the Rotoviz Radio and its fantastic collection of podcasts are now available on both Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz shows under Rotoviz Radio. uh, And we have individual feeds for shows as well. Um, So if you simply search like the Dynasty Tradecast of Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes or your favorite podcast app, you'll find us. Uh, So make sure you click subscribe and leave us a rating five star ratings and reviews really help people uh find the show when they're looking for dynasty content so um on that note before we get into uh the rookie sleepers let's talk about a move that happened this week and that is des bryant being cut by the cowboys uh still as of recording this podcast on monday night we do not have a location for him um so i guess I'll just spec. I'll just throw to you guys to uh, make guesses on where he's going, and then also, uh, what's your thoughts on his dynasty value? I think that the report that came out Monday night, and we'll see. It, obviously, by the time this comes out on Thursday, we'll know whether the report was valid or just you know up in smoke. But um, the report right now is that uh, his first uh, stop is going to be the New York Giants. So I think that the Giants are heavily reported spot and the Houston Texans are also another one where he, he followed apparently like four Houston Texans players on Instagram. Oh, that must mean he's going to be at Houston I Texans. Did, I did see that. I was like, that's the biggest non-news ever, but that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, the, for from Dez's dynasty perspective, I don't think that his landing spot matters all that much. For the most part, I think he's a, a buy low, a guy who's going to, you know, be valued at that mid third round, late third round startup value, and a guy you can get for. I mean, I legitimately think you get Des Bryant for like the one hundred six, one hundred seven. Like his value has dropped so much that it. Yes, he's aging, and yes, his you know body type doesn't really you know tend to age well. But I, I think Des Bryant is a guy who you can count on for a few more wires here, two seasons at least. So, I mean, we talk so much about, you know, buying these aging receivers and Des Bryant's, you know, the example of he's actually getting to the point of like Jordy Nelson, but he's not even Jordy Nelson's age yet. He's still 29 years old. So um, I'm, I'm still buying on Des. I mean, buying more so on Des even after the yeah. release. I mean, I, I think that valuation is kind of high right now. I, I've been getting offers as a pretty avid Des owner. Like people are trying to get him for like an early second or like the one twelve. Um, 
So, but you're not, you're not even come close to accepting that, though. Well, I'm not, but I mean, I, I, I do feel like, you know, I'm not going to lie. I certainly have thought about it. I'm like, man, maybe he's not going to get more valuable. I don't think, like, because he is, he's an older receiver, and those guys, they, while they're productive for your for your fantasy teams, they're not going to be, um, they're not going to be gaining value throughout the years. We talked about it on the show, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's tempting. I mean, I, I think his value is lower than the 107. I think his value is more like the 110 right now. I was seeing all these tweets the last couple of days about ideal landing spot, what makes sense. And I, and it was just bothering me. I tweeted out, are we talking about four Dez or are we talking about four a team? Because I, I think it really depends on how you're viewing Dez yeah. and what you want him to be. If if you think he's a double-digit touchdown guy, if you think he's a thousand-yard receiver, you're probably dreaming a little too high because we've seen he's completely tailed off from that, even when he was in that role and should have been the, the alpha dog so if you're talking about going to a you know secondary role i think the giants to me kind of signals um you know sticking it to the cowboys more than anything else like i did not see this move coming i did not see myself getting caught so i'm going to go to their biggest rival and i'm going to go to the giants but the most interesting take i saw was i believe it was from john owing who said a coaching staff who is on the you know on the verge of getting their walking papers just cut what is perceived to be their best receiver. So that tells me a lot about the player when you think of it from that perspective. Yep. If the if the coaching staff thinks this guy is expendable, then that, that, you know, and, and and not a team that's very laden with wide receivers at this point. So I don't know. You mentioned the one twelve. We'll get into this class in a little bit. For what Des can be. 75 receptions, 900 yards, eight touchdowns. I, I think depending on where my team was, I would give the 112 for Dez at this point. But would you give Dez for the 112? Uh, depends on where my team is because I, I could see the angle of that. There's a lot of high upside guys in this class. I mean, you're basically playing pin the tail on the donkey after you know spinning around for a while to figure <laughs> out which one of those guys it is. But – you know, if I'm if I'm rebuilding and Des isn't really helping me in the next, you know, two years, then sure, yeah, I, I would take a first round for him, even if it's at the back See, end. The the problem with that is that pretty much wherever he signs, there's going to be at least some slight value bump unless he goes to just some team where he's like third on the depth chart for some ridiculous reason. But I, I think that you have to at least wait for the signing for that value bump, and then the the most savvy way to go about it is to wait until week four, week five, when he's had like a two touchdown game. And then if, especially if you're rebuilding, sell him off for, you know, a couple first round picks in 2019 or a first round pick and a second round pick in 2019. There, there are much better times to sell a player than when they've just been cut by a team. And in, ta- in terms of the, the coaching staff that might be on their way out, I mean, th- this move and pretty much any move by Jerry Jones in the last 10, 20 years is, it's always screamed, okay, Jerry Jones is making this move, not the head coach is making this move or anyone else in the organization. Um, Jerry's been always the guy in charge. So I, I, I think that this release had his handprints on it more so – or fingerprints on it more so than Garrett. I mean, if you read the presser from Dez, he did not believe that at all. He thought it was Jerry who – he thought Jerry wanted him, which granted may or may not be true, but it sounded like the coaching staff in defense of that. Well, the crazy craziest part to me is – Whatever you think of Des, you know Des, and you got to admit he has some value or should sure. have some value. You look at what Brandon Marshall got traded for to the Jets. Like he didn't even get a fifth or a sixth round anything. Like it was just see you later. Go sign with whoever you want. 
So we, we play all these ideal scenarios. Like I've heard the Patriots, I've heard the Seahawks, you know, the bear, everything sounds great. Cause you know, we have this image of Des Bryant as this top 10 receiver, but the team that had the rights to him didn't even want him. So I, I really don't know what that says. It's, it's kind of a unique and just weird situation. It wasn't like he got cut for any legal problems or right. contract problems. It, w- it wasn't anything just completely blindsided. I think a lot of people, so it's a good talking point, but uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of takes on this, even after he signs with wherever that is. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm on the Des train anymore. And I, I own him in a lot of places. I think I'm, I'm going to want out, I think in a lot of spots, but I think I want the one Oh eight. If I'm, if I'm stepping off, for sure. All right, let's pivot to our next subject, Eric. Let's do it. Um, so let's talk about some uh, some rookie sleepers and uh, second and third round picks coming up here. Um, so I guess I'll just throw to you, Nathan, um, and, and just for the for the sake of not butchering names. But the first quarterback on our list here is Luke Falk. Um, so why don't we tell the listeners about him? Yeah. Um, first, we're going to start with the quarterback position, which obviously lends itself more towards super flex leagues. Uh, these two guys we're going to mention probably aren't going to get drafted in one quarterback dynasty leagues unless they're like a seven, eight round rookie draft. Or these guys like a Washington are, are, State guy like that loves him. Sure. Um, but uh, other than that, these are pretty much super flex stash type targets. And the first one is Luke Falk of the Washington State Cougars. Um, Falk's a guy that some people thought would come out last year. He had a pair of 38 touchdown seasons. Uh, with 2015 and 2016, uh, followed it up with a little bit less impressive, 30 touchdowns, 13 interceptions in 2017. This guy had four years, uh, pretty much a four-year starter, five starts in his freshman season. So um, what, what are your impressions on Falk, uh, Andy? And um, is, is he your quarterback? I guess it would be six after uh, would be the big three, Lamar Jackson and Rudolph. No, uh, I, I like Luke Falk. So I, I, for those unfamiliar, I'm, I uh, – Pretty big into the draft. I've gone down to the last four senior bowls, uh, do a draft profile series. So we just wrapping up this week uh, where we've covered 50 players, all quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight ends, more geared for dynasty fantasy football leagues and studying film, everything like that. Luke Falk is a guy we covered. So if you want extended thoughts on you know myself or the guy I do this with, my co-host, John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar, you can go check out the uh, stuff on Fantrax. But Luke Falk is the Pac-12's all-time leading passer, and yet he is not even thought of in the same breath as two other guys in the same league as him and Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. So that right there should be very telling. He's capable, but he was in a, a pass-heavy offense, and it wasn't necessarily him creating as much as what the offense was creating for him. Uh, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He was down in Mobile for the senior bowl. Didn't do anything to really distinguish or separate himself. Um, so do I like him? Uh, to me, it's going to be more landing spot than anything. But I see him more as just a, a career backup, kind of in the, uh, uh, what was it, Colt McCoy kind of mold, uh, where you'll know the name and he'll have some value kind of as a throw-in. But nothing I'm really putting any, you know, uh, too much stock into that this is going to be the quarterback of the future for me someday. So you don't think he has much upside is kind of what I'm hearing you say. Uh, yes, exactly. I think he's an NFL quarterback, but not a starting one, which means in fantasy he has even less value. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of fits in the mold of the Mike Glennon a couple years ago and A.J. McCarron this year where he's a guy that's going to have a backup NFL job and maybe on a second contract he gets a brief stint as a starter. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't really screen uh, dynasty or fantasy upside. So we'll move on to our next one, and it is going to be uh, Kyle Laletta. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, maybe is he your quarterback six? Um, basically, is, is there anybody um, – after the, the the top five I mentioned that you're excited about, but start with Loletta, of course. Well, Loletta was down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl as well. He's a darling of a lot of people right now. A lot of people are high on him. Played at the smaller school, Richmond, which is Todd McShay's alma mater. So he's been hyping this guy up for a while. He's got a rocking arm, but he's another guy we profiled. He's everything for him is 20 yards or under. He's not that great uh, beyond 20 yards with accuracy. I mean, he's got a strong enough arm, but he's not that accurate. And we're talking about a lower level conference of play. So uh, for him to show weaknesses in that regard, um, that scares me long-term, but I do think he can project to be a a high level quarterback. Everything he really took my attention uh, when they were in red zone and goal on uh, situations at, at the senior bowl, because he was very accurate uh, within 10 yards with within let's say 10 to 15, uh, those goal line situations, very efficient. And when you watch the film, like I said, everything in the 20-yard in the and under window, he's really good at. So I think depending on where he lands, if he's coming in right away, uh, whether it be a team's projecting him as the starter or whether, maybe there's an injury and he's forced into action, I think he could have success with the right coordinator scheming the game correctly for him and it could mask some of his deficiencies at this stage in his career but I do think he can project down the road to uh, a viable NFL starter so I do like Liletta uh, but I, I don't know that I like him as much as certain people do I, I hear him rumored to the Patriots all the time that he's the perfect Patriots quarterback but then you know you hear that about guys like Mike White as well so I, I mean is there anybody that's not the perfect Patriots player at this point so uh, no, no, they all go there. Right. So Lillette L- L- is fine. Um, he's somebody I would definitely take a flyer on in a dynasty format. Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with you. When I'm, when I see a guy who's playing against that sort of competition, I want him to see like 4,500 passing yards, 40 touchdowns. And we just didn't see that quite from Lillette. He had 28 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 3,700 passing yards. I mean, not terrible stats, of course. But, you know, with, with the inferior competition, it, you kind of looking for a bit more. And it, you're right. With, with, with these lower-end quarterbacks, particularly in Superflex, it's all about landing spot. It, it, you got to have Falk or Laletta or wherever these, you know, lower-tier guys go. There has to be some vision of them starting in the next, you know, 18 months. So I, I don't think that he'll quite land there unless he goes in, like, the top 60 to 70 picks. So we'll see where he lands, and it's, obviously it's more so draft capital than it is maybe landing spot, unless the landing spot is something of the likes of like a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady where maybe they're old, but they don't seem like they're going to be giving up that starting spot anytime soon. Right. I mean, where is the in, in, or in the value in those super flex drafts? Where do you start looking for like a, a high upside guy like that? Are you, is it, I mean, middle of the third, is that where you're going to start saying, okay, maybe I'll take a shot here? <sighs> no, no. No, go ahead. no, you go, you go. You yeah, go. I, I was going to say, no, it's it's more like the fourth and the fifth because with Superflex and, and with two quarterback, it pushes down all the players to where basically yeah. 
the entire second round has become the third round because there's five quarterbacks that are going to go in the first 15 picks. So it's more a little bit later to where it's like a very end of bench roster guy, a mid fourth. Uh... Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I didn't hear the transition. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Superflex obviously changed it, changes it, and, and that's kind of the reason for having Superflex leagues is to, you know, give all these quarterbacks who, who have a name and a face uh, to, to just a common average fan, uh, a fantasy role as well. But this class legit has six, seven, eight quarterbacks that you can viably see having value as a real-life player and as a fantasy player. Uh, you're talking about who, who are the guys I liked outside of the top six. I'm, I'm assuming we're including, including Mason Rudolph in that top six because if you miss yeah. out on one of these you know, top three or four, depending on how you have it, he would be the guy I'd be you know, trying not to miss out on if I didn't get one. I, I would want a quarterback from this year's class. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. If I don't get one of those top three guys in Mayfield, Darnold, or, or Rosen – uh, Rudolph's, you know, the guy I don't want to miss out on at the end. Uh, I like Allen. I like Jackson. I think there's extreme upside with them, but there's so much risk that I don't want to make the investment that it's going to take to get one of those guys. I was just mentioning Mike White um, when we were talking about Laletta. The last guy, and we're going to be – he's going to be one of the last guys we profile and he's 50, is Riley Ferguson. And I, I know after the Paxton Lynch thing, nobody really wants to hear about a Memphis quarterback. But this yeah. guy – has just such a unique style to his play that I don't know how that's going to translate to the to the league because everything with he's a very accurate passer. Everybody talks about Mayfield and his accuracy. Ferguson was accurate and just has this weird style where it's like everything he's doing is on the run and he's nothing traditional about him. So I don't know if that's good or bad, and I'm, I'm curious to see – how that can play out because I, I think, you know, a unique coordinator will look at this and say, Hey, this is a, a, a you know, a weird and unique kind of trait that I'm going to try to use and exploit. So I'm curious to see what happens with Riley Ferguson. But um, after that, you know, you, you look at some of the other guys, I'm not really buying into any of these guys. Uh, Kurt Benkert, you know, you got your Briscoe, Shimanek, Logan Woodside, JT Barrett, names like that. Like we know him from college, but uh, I, I'm not, I'm out on them as pros. Alrighty, let's move on to the running back position. Certainly more fantasy relevant for people who play in one quarterback leagues, and we're going to start with Naheem Hines. Uh, he, he's a guy that's gotten a lot of uh, pub on on draft Twitter, and a guy that Metrics Twitter likes as well. So, what are your initial thoughts on on Hines, uh, Andy? So basically everybody we're going to be talking about tonight, we profiled with the exception of one or two. So you can go see all these guys and, you know, full five minute conversations on each of them. But initial thoughts, Naheem Hines, track star, undersized, uh, good speed, good burst, but not really somebody that I feel could be an every down kind of guy. Uh, He's going to have his own unique role. I think his upside, I saw somebody mention this. I wish I knew the name to credit with, but somebody said, don't forget about Deion Lewis. And maybe that could be Hines upside, but I mean, that's an extreme upside for me. If you're looking at him as a pure runner, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not really a hundred percent comfortable in that regard for that role. Yeah, he's definitely a tweener. He started as a wide receiver in his freshman year and 
that kind of does lead a little bit more credence to, you know, him not having any great production prior to his, his junior season where he ran for 1113 yards, 12 touchdowns. But I do still, I do still worry about the lack of production in his first two seasons and a guy that, you know, usually NFL talents tend to show themselves in the first two years and Hines, Hines didn't really do that. So, I mean, he, he's a, he's a decent flyer option, but I don't think he's much more than that. He's a guy that, you know, has some upside, but you know, We'll move on to our next one. And this is a guy that um, we talked before the show, and apparently you had a hot take. Uh, Akram or Akram, I don't know why I'm stuttering on this right now. Hey, you sound Uh, like me now. Akram Wadley, Wadley, uh, ADP of uh, 38. Um, What what are you thinking? Will he be an NFL running back? Well, that yeah, that hot take you referred to is a comment I made that I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't get drafted. Uh, And, you know, that sounds ludicrous. But I, I mentioned I've seen guys like Aaron Green go undrafted you know you've seen highly productive college players not get drafted he was a major disappointment at the senior bowl he was you know a consensus guy that a lot of people were disappointed with uh showed no interest at all in pass protection uh which has you know been kind of a knock on him to begin with just kind of slight and under you know undersized um i you see the people in his corner making the argument for him he's got electric you know, skills. He's, he's super quick, everything like that. But I, I just don't know that he can put it all together. And the speed at the NFL is going to, I think that was the big difference where you watch his game tape. And when he's playing against some of these big time colleges and he's making these moves, you think, wow, this, this is Iowa. He's doing this. This, this could be a thing. And then when you get to an all-star kind of environment where you start to see that speed ramp up, like you're going to see in the NFL and all of a sudden he's not able to make the same jukes and get the same guys to miss. Well, now you couple all that with the lack of size that he's, you know, well-documented. And that's where I think the the questions start to come into play for me. Um, I will mention one guy though from last year that everybody's going to know from the Super Bowl run, of course. And that was Corey Clement. He was a guy from the same conference that was, you know, different player, different size, everything like that. They're both from Jersey. That's the only link that these two have. But uh, he, he was kind of thought of as a, you know, sleeper darling for, you know, some people kind of went under the radar, didn't really have the best season, and then got a couple touchdowns here and there, and then was a fantasy option. And despite Philadelphia having so many running backs, we saw what he did in the, in the Super Bowl in the playoff run. So now all of a sudden – Everybody's going back, and what did I miss on with Clement? I think Wadley could be that kind of guy where he kind of gets forgotten about after the draft, and then if we look down the road, if he does have some success, guys will be like, oh, the, you know, the signs were all there for us to, to see from the beginning. Yeah, and we, we talked about on last week's show when we did a little rookie monk that when a running back has a lack of receptions in college, that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't have receptions at the NFL level. But it is impressive when a guy who has a workhorse-type profile – um, 168 carries, 252 carries the last two seasons. And he does have that receiving profile where 36 catches, 28 catches um, in his last two seasons, 64 total catches in two seasons. So I'm all about when, when I can find a guy who's getting those rushing yards and also getting the receptions, that just shows that the team is that desperate to get the ball in his hands, which certainly means more like an Alabama or an Ohio State than it does in Iowa. But it still means something when a, a team is doing everything it can to get the ball in a player's hands like Iowa did with that well, I, I got to make one counterpoint to that, and I agree with everything you're saying, but there are only so many jobs in the NFL. In college, you know, there's, there's a lot more availability. And, and we're talking about 
microseconds of difference between each of these players and and what's like this superior athlete to you or I if we're standing shoulder to shoulder with them on the street and, you know, this Hall of Fame caliber or all-pro level player. So with the difference being that small, you look at a guy like Wadley and, yeah, I mean, he's the best thing Iowa has on its roster. So, of course, they're going to do everything they can to game plan for him and get him involved and everything like that. But now if you give me the option of Wadley versus 20 other running backs in this class, maybe he's, you know – he's not at the top of that list anymore. So that, that to me is also something that I don't think it's discussed enough is when we look at the production, is it because the guy is just being fed that because he's the best available for that roster? Or is it because he's carving out his own role? That's kind of like what we were talking about with Luke Falk before pack 12 all times leading passer. But how much of that was on him just being this dynamic quarterback, as opposed to this is the guy under center in you know, the air raid offense that's just going to get, 40, 50 attempts per game, and at the end of a four-year career, you're going to look back and go, yeah, okay, he's the back 12s leading passer. All right, let's move on to our next running back, and this is uh, an interesting case of is he a running back because because he was one of my draft crushes when he was a tight end, or at least when I thought he was going to be listed as a tight end on my fantasy league, which is where most people play dynasty leagues that nowadays. No offense to fan tracks, of course. Um, okay. uh, it, so yeah, I was very excited about Samuels when he when I thought he would be a tight end. He was listed as a tight end going to the NFL, NFL Combine, and basically I was excited about the concept of a, a tight end getting you know some carries, getting some work in the receiving game. And tight end touches are so hard to come by that if you can get tight end carries, that's definitely something you should be targeting late late in your rookie drafts. Does that exist that's, anywhere else? That there's a tight end who's carrying the football? No, no, I'm not saying that he's going to be carrying it as a tight end. He can be playing the running back position, but on MFL, if he's listed as tight end, then you're getting tight end carries. No, I understand. I'm asking if that exi- that doesn't exist anywhere else, right? No, I no, I haven't seen it. No, I, there's no other player on. I mean, I, there's always these weird kind of uh, like Ty Montgomery before he really switched kind of situations. Like there's there's always some of those. So that's that's a new one, I think. I I you know to that. I think I could get him dual listed on fan tracks if that was something people wanted, but I don't know that that plays well in fantasy because he'd be the only player, as you're talking about, that would have that kind of designation. So, I, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, basically, my my whole gist of putting Samuels on here is I'm not that interested in him if he's listed as a running back because there's so many running backs available and he's pretty much a tweener guy. But if he gets the tight end designation and plays some tight end at the NFL level, then I'm very interested because any tight end that gets carries is something I, I want to be invested in. But wouldn't that be relatively quickly remedied, Nathan? I mean, if you're drafting. No, because no, if, if he plays the tight end position and gets carries, then he's the tight end. All right. All right. All right. You don't, you don't worry about this, the big switch happening and the, the value just falling out there. I mean, it, it certainly could, but I'm, I'm saying that, like, there's a scenario, and maybe this is a hopeful scenario, there's a scenario where Jalen Samuel, Samuels plays a career as an NFL tight end, but also gets the occasional carry, and that's the ideal scenario playing out for his fantasy value. Now, see, you guys know I do baseball, too, so this, this is where the, the difference comes in. So in baseball, you have positional you know, requirements and limits, right? So, for instance, last year, Anthony Rizzo on the Chicago Cubs, first baseman, got second base eligibility because of these infield shifts they put on, right? The reason I bring all this up is because in the case of Jalen Samuels, 
I think the NFL, and I could be mistaken in this, is going to designate his position, and it's going to be one, and that's it, just one or the other. Now, if he's listed as a tight end and he lines up uh, in the backfield and gets some carries, they'll certainly apply to a stat line, but I don't think where you could play him is ever going to come into play because I think it's going to be an NFL designation, and if the NFL doesn't designate him as both positions, then I don't think you find any fantasy site that would be willing to take that leap and kind of create it. So I retract well, what I said before about I think well, yeah, I no, no, no. A- MFL doesn't do dual de- designations. They, they only do one, and they follow Road Award for all theirs. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things play out with, with Samuels, but I figured I'd throw him in there. All right, we'll round up the running back position with uh, – you, this is one of the guys that you mentioned as one of your draft crushes, and it is Chase Edmonds. What are your thoughts on him, Andy? Well, Chase Edmonds, real quick, just to go back to Jalen Samuels, if you don't mind, though, was uh, <laughs> you, you look at the production this guy put up at North Carolina State, and we were talking about Naheem Hines a minute ago. This was his his teammate there. So with Naheem Hines running the ball as the main running back, he still got you know 182 carries uh, and uh, 1,100 yards and 28 rushing touchdowns in his four years at NC State. As a receiver, 201 receptions with another 19 touchdowns. So extremely, extremely, extremely productive was Jalen Samuels. So uh, very unique player, and it it really does come down to how teams want to use him. Um, But he's going to – he's – you know, if you listen to guys like Eric Galco and Sigmund Bloom, uh, we're talking – I had a conversation about this on Bloom's podcast, and they were talking about, uh, you know, 10 years ago or whatever – time frame it was Antonio Gates changed the way we look at tight ends and the box out and the jump balls and all that kind of stuff you know Eric was saying Jalen Samuels is going to be the next wave of changing the game and how positions are viewed and used because he's just so dynamic and freakish but uh, Chase Edmonds to transition to the Fordham guy shout out to Dynasty Frank because we're talking about a, a Bronx uh, University right now <laughs> Bronx Ivy League-ish university right now but uh, Chase Edmonds. Well, 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 Frank can't get into any Ivy League schools, to be fair. No, but he, <laughs> he can walk past Fordham and, and feel the collegial uh, vibe and sense coming out of there. But uh, Chase Edmonds, another super productive guy in college. He was at Fordham, uh, overlooked, coming out of high school in Pennsylvania, super productive, didn't get any major offers. So he goes to Fordham and shy of an injury in his senior year would have shattered, uh, you know, uh, division records for running backs. Um, he's being comped to Devonta Freeman based on their size, which I hadn't really thought about. And then, you know, when I started seeing that name pop up, it kind of makes sense when you, when you look at all the stuff he's done. Um, dual, another dual threat kind of guy can run the ball, can receive the ball as well. It's this Chase Edmonds is one of these guys at the back end of your draft and maybe not even at the back end, but you're talking about like the second, third round sleepers with potential high upside. Chase Edmonds is a guy that's probably going to fall to that range that you'd be hard pressed to pass on. I mean, right now he's going at nearly the end of the fourth round. It looks like. So, I mean, he's getting well past that third round that you're talking about, Andy. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it would be wise to make an investment. I've, so where where are you grabbing him? Maybe you were about to say. Well, if you're going to say the fourth round, I'll I'll take him. I'll reach for him and I'll take him in the third. But uh, what I was going to say real quick was I've been saying for months now, 
uh, it's this this year's draft is one one, and I've won out of the first round. So if I had any multiple first rounders stashed, I'm trading them back for multiple second and third rounders. I'd gladly take two second rounders over one first rounder this year, or you know two thirds or three thirds or however you want to break it down. Um, and especially outside of one four or one five, uh, it, and then it just kind of falls off to you know of this blindfolded range where. So- Am I hearing you right that after like w- from the 106 to where is like the next like throw a dart and pray range? You're saying to the end of the draft? And no, it's not necessarily throw a dart and pray. It's just the, these guys are really, really. It's very deep. Like, I mean, this this year's class is to me much deeper, especially at the wide receiver position of guys that could blossom. You know, uh, I've looked at receiving classes in the past, and there's been an average of 32 receivers that get drafted every year. Of those, about a dozen or so have any type of NFL relevancy. Uh, I think that number is much more like 40 this year that get drafted, which would shatter, you know, what the averages have been. And of those 40, I think you're looking at seriously like 20 to 25 that could have NFL relevancy. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean to say – a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two, however you want to designate it. But guys that are going to have value on your rosters, I think you're going to still be finding guys well into the fourth and fifth round this year uh, just because of how deep this wide receiving class is and pushes those names down. You have a a few running backs as well that I I don't love the class this year as much as last year. I've heard they're very similar. If, if not this year's better, Uh, I think last year's was clearly better, but there is some intrigue and, and depth with this class at running back as well. So it, I'd rather have, I'd much rather have, like I said, multiple picks going in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, even uh, than to have two ones or one five. I would not want to be sitting on one five this year. Cause I mean, I would think in just traditional rookie value tells you if you have the, the say the one six, let's just say that you could get, the one nine and two seconds for that valuation, which sounds like all day, every day. That's what you're, you're kind of advocating for all day, every day and twice on Sundays. Yes. I would definitely go for that. Nathan, any counterpoint on that? Uh, I mean, I think the only, I mean, I, I agree with this point about this being a deep draft uh, at the skill positions, particularly wide receiver. But I think that there's a difference between an NFL player and a fantasy relevant player. There might be 20 NFL wide receivers in this draft, but there might only be like four or five relevant fantasy wide receivers. So I think there's a bit of a fine line there. So, I mean, that, that would be my only real counter um, to that. But well, uh yeah, the only the only thing I'd add in is just, and we'll talk about trading picks kind of towards the end of this thing. But I mean, just on a pure valuation, just make sure you try to get as much as you can if you try to pull off that strategy. Is like guys will, like even if you're willing to give three thirds for or get three thirds for like the one ten, you you can probably get more on the open market. So shop it. Yeah, and then the the other important 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 part of that is you have to value the, the, the roster spot because Correct. at this point, especially in leagues that have roster expansion, you kind of look, oh, I have six extra spots right now. But if you have to cut down four of those um, by August, then those picks, you know, you there might be some third, fourth round picks that you, you spend and you trade for, you might not actually get to use. So I mean, that is kind of like the underrated aspect of trading two or three thirds for an early second or, or something along the strategy of Andy's trying to do the reverse of. 
I'm kind of looking to straight up just for the simple fact that I don't want to have all those guys on my roster when I'm trying to do roster cut down. Yeah, you want you want to consolidate the depth of what you have, and I get that. And to that point, I, you know, to take it to players, I certainly agree with what you're saying, Eric, and, and float it on the open market because yeah. you might be surprised. Like we were just talking about Dez at the start of this. If I got one six and Dez is on the market and the guy will take one six for Dez – I know what I'm getting with him, and I'm hoping to get another at least two, three years of that from him. And if that is somewhere between 60 and 80 receptions, somewhere between 700 and 1,000 yards, somewhere between five and 10 touchdowns, I'll take that and the, and the guarantee of that right now over the once one six, one seven, one eight, one nine, something like that. So, so you're not trading Des then? Because I mean, I think at the top of the show we kind of no, talked no, about trading. I would. I would trade for Des in that situation. Gotcha. Okay, just making sure. Making yeah. Did I go back on what I said earlier? I'm not sure. No, no, no I think you're good. I think I was just misunderstanding what you were saying there. Okay. Okay, with that being said, let's go ahead and let me tell you about our sponsors over at the FFPC or the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long, high-stakes fantasy football. For most people, it's the off-season, but not for the FFPC. If you're ready to draft now, the FFPC Best Ball Leagues are drafting daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Uh, They have slow drafts and live drafts, so depending on your fancy there. And if you like Dynasty, and as I've mentioned on other shows, I'm pretty sure sure you like dynasty if you listen to this show uh the ffpc has over 200 active dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at 77 dollars and going up to twenty five hundred dollars that's twenty five hundred bucks uh and here's something incredible not a single dynasty league is folded in eight years new dynasty leagues are forming right now with startups with startup drafts launching right after the NFL draft. So don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, let's let's go ahead and pivot then off of that. And uh, and we got in some trading picks conversation there. So that's uh, we'll touch more on that kind of wrapping up the show here. Uh, so let's talk wide receivers. Um, and the first one's actually a guy who uh, I was actually shocked to see his uh, current draft stock, um, and that is Deion Kane, um, a guy who I you know in the in the off season, even early off season this year, I think was looking in the first round, and it seems to have plummeted kind of more into the mid second now. Um, so I'll kick over to Nathan, a guy I traded Dion Kane to in uh, in Kitchen Sink 4. Fun fact, I once substitute taught at Dion Kane's high school, so there you go. Um, well, fun fact, I did the trade and now have Aaron Rodgers, so what's up? And I have James Winston at a Debbie spot. Who cares? No one cares about your fans. So, yeah, uh, Dion Kane, he's a guy that was, you know, highly touted prospect coming into Clemson. Pretty much every wide receiver these days is highly touted entering Clemson. Yep. He, he's kind of one, one of those guys that seems like he didn't really develop quite to his potential during his college career. Definitely one of those players that if he's going to develop into his fantasy potential, it's more he's going to be a better NFL player than he was a college player. Definitely needs to add some pounds, um, you know, of, of strength if he wants to be you know a red zone type weapon but he is a, a big wide receiver and a guy who, who can score touchdowns and is a deep has been a deep threat at Clemson so I, I'm a fan of Kane and I, I think that the fact that he, he has now has an ADP of 30 which is in the mid third round of a rookie draft um wait it's 22 is it 22 right, or 30 yes. yes it's 22 sorry I'm, I'm looking at it right now so I'm just oh like, Oh, okay. I don't know why I wrote 30 earlier. 22. Yep, I, Anyways. I, yeah, I saw it and I was like, ah, oh, fix it, fix it, fix it. All right. 
Well, an ADP of 22, late second round, that's still a palatable price for a guy that I think has a, a big upside at the next level. We'll see where he lands and hopefully gets a good shot with a wide receiver depth chart. Well, he, he's one of those guys, and I and I, I, I know Kane as well. He's, he's certainly a guy who has upside, um, who could explode and has the draft pedigree, or probably will have – I'm sorry, has the high school pedigree to really – um, to really blow up in the NFL and and did perform in college on a on essentially a you know a team full of pros or or a ton of them so Kane's uh, a guy that intrigues me at that price tag uh, but but certainly scares me as well because he didn't develop his to his full potential I I think he was hindered a lot though in his last season with Kelly Bryant as opposed to Watson and obviously we've seen how good Watson truly yeah. is now that everybody's proclaiming him the QB one and. You know, dynasty. I'm, uh, you know. Oh wait, half, what happened to Carson Wentz? Ha- I'm half being sarcastic. Oh, I'm not, it's not that crazy, man. It happens yeah. that quick, right? And, and it is that crazy because nobody wanted to draft him, and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody says he's the greatest thing ever. After, of course, Jimmy G. But uh, Deion <laughs> Kane has a great size, six two, two oh two. But I really think it depends. I agree with Nathan about you know bulking up a little. Um, He's okay for where he is now, but if you know you want to be that every down, dependable, durable guy, he could stand to use a little more strength. His hands are a little small at eight and three quarters. I know we've dispelled plenty of hand rumors, especially for receivers, but he's the only receiver I've seen under nine this year. So, I mean, that kind of stuck out to me. But to me, it all comes down to how are you viewing Deion Kane? Are you looking at him as a day one, first round NFL wide receiver getting drafted? which is going to elevate his fantasy perception if a team is going to invest that high in him? Or are you looking at him as a flyer with upside? 22 is a nice price for him because I do think he has that upside. If he was any higher, if we're talking like, you know, shouldn't say any higher, but if he was like in that 10 to 15 range, I'd be a little more hesitant because – I do think there are some blemishes on on his resume. I, you know, I, I see a body catcher. I see somebody that shows concentration lapses. Uh, somebody that you know he does track the ball well, has good straight line speed, but he's not a complete receiver yet at this point. So, um, if I'm investing that high, I want a guy that's going to be doing a little bit more than just running fly routes for me. Um, I don't know. That's just my personal take, but I, I do like Kane's upside. And again, it really depends on that ADP. So if it's 22 right now. I think that's actually a bargain for him. All righty. Let's move on to another wide receiver that I view as a bargain, and that's Florida wide receiver Antonio Callaway. He is being drafted at an ADP, a rookie ADP of 35 right now. And he's a guy that was highly touted in the Debbie community, a guy that was being highly valued, but because he had some off-the-field issues with a credit card scam. And then it's actually been reported that since the combine, he's had some more off-the-field issues that it was very vague what those exactly were. What but, is it? What credit card scam? Just out of curiosity, for those that don't know. Uh, yeah. basic, basically, like Florida boosters gave him fake credit cards and shit. Well, I actually, I heard that could be it. I heard a different story that I thought was uh, him and – uh, eight other teammates, or so nine total, had meal cards that they were just putting money on, and they were using those. Uh, that's what I heard it was. But if it was, it could be credit cards included. It could, I mean, I, it could be all of the above. And you know, his range of outcomes is Antonio Brown and Reuben Foster. Uh, so you know, I mean that with good, and I mean that with bad, based on what's going on with Foster right now. But this guy should probably be the best wide receiver in this class. But because he hasn't played the last year because of all the off-field stuff. And some of that is vague because you yeah. mentioned the report since the combine, more red flags have come out from credible NFL sources. 
but no stories have broken. And we're in a day and age where everybody wants to, you know, fry people these days and not one details come out on what these additional red flag reports are. That to me is a little puzzling. Uh, He's basically a lightning rod. I mean, don't go and defend Antonio Callaway as a person on Twitter, or you will uh, not be happy with the results you get because of course, there are going to be people that say, oh, he's a bad dude. I don't know the dude. I don't know if he's good, bad, and different. Sure. I just know that from the stories I've seen of what he's done wrong, it, to me it points more to a young, immature guy who has hung out with the wrong crowd and is easily influenced, which means he could just as easily be influenced in the positive direction. It, you know, it just so happens to be coincidental that that's the same school Aaron Hernandez went to. And you know, when we go back and we look at all his checkered past, to me that was, wow, that was a bad dude. He was, you know – he was refusing to pay his bar tab to the club owner and then sucker punching him, knocking him out and breaking his eardrum. That's a bad dude. Um, sitting yep. as the passenger in the car that gets pulled over because the driver didn't have a seatbelt on and, oh, you have, a, you have a pipe in your pocket, so we're arresting you for weed. That to me is just, you know, that's not a bad necessarily – a bad hey, person. It, that's legal here, man. So it's uh, that's that would that would get you nothing in Colorado, right? So you know, but if you're talking about Callaway, the player, like I said, they share the same first name. You you watch him on film, he is he looks like Antonio Brown to me. So talk. So I guess you're saying he's a value, Nathan. Um, I mean, I I just from what I'm hearing you guys say, as far as his past, that doesn't I mean I'm, I, for fear of defending the guy, but just doesn't from just your description of it sound that bad. What valuation are you, where do you see, you know, in your rookie draft, where are you reaching for Antonio Callaway? I, I anticipate him going in the sixth or seventh round of the NFL draft, in which case I'll, I'll be picking him in like the 304 to 306 range. Okay. But it, this is all about the NFL teams will tell me how much they care about the credit card scam. The NFL will tell me, tell me how much they care about the weed stuff earlier in his college career. So as much as the NFL cares, I'll care. So like if, if Callaway goes in the second or third round, he can shoot up all the way to the early second of, of rookie drafts. Sure. But it, it, it's literally all about what the NFL tells me with the draft stock. If he goes undrafted, are you just not even bothering Callaway then? No, no, no. I mean, I, I'd use a fourth round flyer. Yeah. If, if, if there's none of this, you know, off field issues. He's a first round dynasty pick. That's that's what you want, really, when you're making those reaches in the third and fourth rounds. Yeah, so it's definitely a high upside, uh, low risk pick at, at this stage. We'll see where his ADP goes once he gets drafted. And but I fear that this may be one of those situations, though. He could go in like the seventh round and go to like a like a ideal situation, and then he ends up getting overdrafted, going in like the two hundred two, two hundred three range when. You know, so often we overlook situation and, and don't think about, oh, he was the seventh round pick and he's not going to get the immediate opportunity. So, sure. Or move. make the roster at seventh yeah, round. For sure. Uh, let's move on to our last uh, player of the night, and it's going to be Richie James of Middle Tennessee State. Fun fact, Middle Tennessee State was the first college I was ever accepted to. So, there All right, Directional Tennessee, Nathan Powell. What's up, man? Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that was like 10 years ago. So, <laughs> uh, But um, anyways, Richie James. Uh, I'm a fan of his, not just because I liked his school once upon a time. Um, he, high production at uh, the college level. He got hurt in his last season. Um, I was I was a little bit worried that he would stay for his senior season after the fact that he you know got injured. But um, fan of Richie James, uh, what, what are your thoughts on him, Andy? 
Yeah, he's awesome. I got to interview him. Uh, super, super productive. I mean, Middle Tennessee State isn't exactly, you know, beating the drum as, you know, uh, uh, one of the blue bloods of college football. But they've, you know, become a better program over the last few years. And this is the same conference that has Western Kentucky. So, you know, you look at guys like Taewon Taylor last year, and, and this is my argument. If you can't love Taewon Taylor in the 2017 draft and think Richie James playing in the same conference is any less of a player. He had ridiculous production as a freshman and sophomore. Uh, he's Middle Tennessee State's all-time leading receiver in those first two years as a freshman and sophomore. A little bit undersized, but he, to me, plays like what I read people say DJ Moore plays like. Uh, people tell me DJ Moore plays like Steve Smith. I, I, I get it, I guess, on a play or two here or there, but not consistently. Richie James, to me, is that guy on every play. He's looking to run people over. Uh, he's hard to take down. He will run through five guys and somehow come out of that. Uh, he's, you know, uh, a good deep threat. He's good. He can run. He was a quarterback. Uh, he, he's a do-it-all guy who's going to get knocked down because of where he played, uh, because he has missed some time now this past season with injury and because of the size. But if you're looking for a guy that you can get basically for free, uh, that people potentially are going to be looking at going, how come I never heard of this guy, Richie James before? Uh, th that's a high upside, low risk kind of player you can draft in dynasty. And this is the year of the slot receiver. So, you have a ton, ton, ton of high-end slot guys, and Richie James could easily be on the same production level as some of the bigger names you can hear about, like Christian Kirk and DJ Moore, as I mentioned, and Anthony Miller, uh, James Washington, guys like that. Yeah, this is the the keep it simple, stupid uh, take of the podcast, but it if you can get a guy who has 212 catches, 2,900 receiving yards in his first two seasons of college football, that guy is good at football. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Nice. All right. Well, let's transition and talk about um, – we kind of hit on it, and maybe we'll uh, we'll just keep it short to wrap the show because uh, Nathan has promised that this will be a short show this week. We'll see. Uh, so um, we kind of already talked about uh, quanti quality over quality – sorry, quantity over quality, um, and I think Andy made a good point um, in just kind of once you get past a certain point, just – more more picks is good. Um, and I think Nathan made a good point in saying that if your rosters are set up inappropriately, more picks are bad. Um, anything else to add to that before we kind of – anything else? I, I guess I'll just say anything else you guys want to add to that. I'm, I'm good with what I said. <laughs> I, I was just going to say I noticed Ian Thomas was on the docket and a uh, couple tight ends that obviously I'm talking way too long if this was going to be a short show. So I no, apologize. Go ahead, go ahead Andy. <laughs> You're here, man. We want to you know, no, Honestly, I, I do this every show. Like we write up a bunch of stuff and I end up deleting half of it. So just because I, I, I try to be a little bit more succinct. Well, no, <laughs> I, I was just going to say I apologize for talking so much, but this is my first invite on and I'm truly <laughs> honored. I mean that when I say that. I actually canceled other plans to make sure I was able to be available for you guys. So listen, I'm gonna talk. I'll talk to you guys all night, and I don't care about the length of your show because I might not ever get back here. So um, <laughs> at this rate, you're on. You're you're well on your way to a second visit, sir. Well, I'm gonna. I'm almost talking into next week's episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, no. I mean, if you if you want to talk about one of the tight ends, I, I I vote, and I think my vote matters the most. Is I vote you do it. Damn it. 
Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll do the the, uh, the Nathan. Keep it simple. Uh, go watch my profile on Ian Thomas. You'll love him. Tight end could be the most dominant tight end in this entire class. Where are you drafting him? Where am I drafting him? Yep. Uh, yep. He's going to get some buzz. Uh, I would hope I wouldn't have to pay anything higher than a mid second. Um, you're not, not going to have to pay higher than a mid second. <laughs> yeah, really. Any any tight end is pretty tough to do that. I guess. Except you know, for the last draft class. We we all target the guys we like and our guys. And then no, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad take to like want, want him at, at that value. I'm just saying like you're not going to have to. <laughs> oh, oh no, no. And I'm saying I'm I'm happy to hear that news because I'm saying like we target our guys and and you know I'm thinking without really having too much uh, grasp of ADP at this point uh, uh, of the year uh, for Dynasty, I should say that I would not feel like that's too high to take a guy like Ian Thomas in dynasty, because I think the upside is there for him. Uh, if I don't have to spend that great. And that's what I'm saying. Like we have our guys that we start thinking like, these are the five guys I want to come away with. Well, if you're sitting there on your second or third pick and a guy you didn't expect to be there slides down all of a sudden, you know, your, your, your board is changing yeah. uh, at, at a very quick pace. So um, yeah. Ian Thomas, watch the video. Good good upside and uh, a guy that we will probably be looking back a couple years down the road and saying he should have went higher than a mid second round pick. Yeah. I mean, right now, Andy, just to give you an idea, I'm uh, the, the ADP I'm looking at has him not even being drafted. That's insane. If, and, if in a, in awesome. a, in a four round draft, which is pretty typical. That is awesome. Not even, not even being reached for and barely makes it into a five round draft. Well, that is fantastic. Fantastic news, news for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right. All right, um, let's go ahead and, and just real quick, we'll just hit on a couple of these things. Um, let's talk about trading while you're on the clock when you're in your rookie draft. Um, what, what kind of strategies do you guys have? Because that's the time when your pick, if somebody wants, if somebody is excited to move up, is worth probably the most. Yeah, I, I think that particularly with the, the later round rookie picks, this is where you can kind of just call your shot. Like, especially if it's a guy that is being like, oh, this is the guy that slid too far, or this is the guy that's the most highly valued ADP, just say, hey, I'm taking Antonio Callaway right now. If anyone wants this pick, come and get it. Um, because people will get, like, overranked. So, oh, I can't let him take Callaway. I need to go trade up for him right now. So, I mean, I tech, most of the time, I, I think mind games don't necessarily work, but I think they can work in the later rounds of rookie drafts because people just get so, you know, hyped up about those late-round rookies. It's like the time somebody gave me four-fourths for Bucky Hodges. That was great. It was, it was it was the 407 by the way four fourths <laughs> nice <laughs> nice uh, but uh yeah you're exactly right i mean that's and i don't know that i'd even call what you're doing there nathan really playing games you're more like look this is a pick that i'm not that pumped about making you're not goofing around and you're like come and get it if you want it yeah i i feel like it really comes down to for me at least like how engaged your league is because I'd rather deal on the clock because it's happening. We're here. This is what's available to me. I don't really love it. I'm ready to go. Who wants to make an offer? And if you got the guy, oh, hold on, I'll get back to you. I'm, you know, and then you basically at the end of the window, and now you, you know, can we get a can we get a, a, a five minute recess or you know just buying for time, and then nothing gets done. That that's the annoying part for me. Um, but well, I'd much rather deal on the clock because all your scenarios are presented there for you. 
I mean, I, I think being honest with what kind of league you're in, as you're kind of saying, is the key there is like my my friends league that I managed to convince all my real life friends to play Dynasty. We there's like three trades made a year. And on when our rookie draft is basically just, OK, I'll pick now. I'll pick now. I'll pick now. And there's very few trades. So um, and then there's other leagues that are completely insane in the rookie draft. So yes. um, being honest, because it was in that friends league. You better believe I'm not trade. I'm not able to trade picks, so I gotta pick who I gotta reach for guys where I want to. Yep. All right. Let's move on to uh, our last topic. And for me, we talked about this with the roster spot thing. The move that I tend to make um, the most when I start, you know, struggling for roster spot space, especially if I have a few fourth round picks, if I can trade two 2018 fourths for one 2019 third, or trade, you know, three 2019. 2018 fifths for one 2019 fourth just getting even if I have to package two or three of those picks one pick up in a future year I'm all about that because I, I buy the roster spot for this year and I get the higher pick for the, the, the following year and the person that's making this trade they're not you know getting hoodwinked or whatever they're getting something right now they're getting a tangible hoodwinked, assets Nathan hoodwinked <laughs> bamboozled you 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 say chasm like every other podcast, so I don't want to hear you. <laughs> no, no, you're not mispronouncing it. I'm just – that's just an incredible word usage. He went to Middle Tennessee State, man. I didn't go to Middle Tennessee State. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> got accepted. <laughs> no big deal. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, the uh, I, I love the move as well. I, and I love, like, if I'm if I'm out of roster spots on my roster and I don't want to – go a direction like i'll just straight up trade late picks for for just future picks of the same value just so i can you know get out of it so i like i like it nathan i like the way you put it too it's like trading your trading you get a roster spot and a future pick i i definitely love the way you put it but i will tell you this and nathan i adore you because you are like the the younger brother of the well you you're aging now obviously but you've been (laughs) you've been like the younger brother of, of so many guys in the in the industry right um, I say that with affection. So, and, yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, I tell you this because when you start getting to my age, I've had multiple people in multiple dynasty leagues die. Like that, this oh, is a product of oh life. Oh my god! So, <laughs> I did not think this was coming. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you guys start to get older and you start to factor things like that into Andy, life. How old are you? Forty at tops? What I'm, is this? I'm 43, but. Uh, <laughs> There's there's been several leagues that have been in, and I don't mean to be laughing about death, but it's it's a reality of life, right? So I so don't trade for future picks because you might die. You never know what's going to happen. That's all I'm saying. You never know. Live for the moment. That's that is that is one direction to end the podcast on. So on on that note, I think we'll kill the podcast. Uh, Andy, awesome to have you on the show. Uh, Appreciate you coming in, dropping your knowledge. if you enjoy what Andy's bringing to the table, make sure you follow him uh, on Twitter. That's people's pen. That's a uh, people with a Z and then pen. Uh, and then, uh, and that's P E N not P I N P I N wouldn't make much sense. Uh, and then you can find a lot of his work on fantrax.com. Um, and you can see his mug uh, on his, on his video podcast, which we don't have. Yes. You All can. Right. Uh, yeah, just search Andy Singleton on Twitter. People's panel come up, follow, and uh, I am a shameless promoter of work I do as well as others and guest spots I appear on, such as this one. So go check that out. As I mentioned, NFL Draft Profile Series. Uh, we just covered 50 players, so go check that out. All quarterbacks, 
running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, and you'll get an introduction and extended look at all of these guys. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, okay, well, Nathan, anything before we uh, sign off on the pod here? Ganoush. All right, well, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review on the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, for Nathan, Andy, and myself, wishing Dan well, and we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.